Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you did not come to church today to be entertained. As me and my son, my very son, we're, we're talking about just this very subject before church, about how most churches you come, and the pastor's got to be funny, and he's got to be putting on a show, or he's got to be standing in certain poses. And But here at Gospel Saving Church, we just teach God's Word, and we hope that you came here to hear God's Word. We hope you didn't come here to be entertained, or to hear good stories, or or to, you know, just as a social gathering or, or whatever. We hope that you came here um, just to learn God's Word and to hear God's Word. H- Happy New Year to you all. If I have missed any of you already, Happy New Year. Praise God. This is Gospel Saving Church, and I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli. And this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days. And this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. We always start with a word of prayer, so if you'd please join me. And let's uh, ask the Lord to bless the message, bless the study, and bless our ears because we, we need His help to understand and we need His help to do the things that He wants us to do. Lord, we thank You so much, Lord God, for giving us this new day. We thank You so much, Lord God, for bringing us here, Lord, and, and bringing us to this place of worship or bringing us to this internet link, Lord God, that we're listening to online, Lord God. We, we thank You so much, Lord God, that we, we find ourselves here today, Lord God. This beautiful day in January, Lord God. We, we do pray, Lord God, for uh, this just comes on my heart for all those that are struggling up north and especially in the east with that big uh, snowstorm and all that big blizzard and stuff that's up there, Lord. We pray that all of that would subside quickly, Lord. We pray for safety and that all the uh, electric and energy would hold out, Lord God, while they're struggling through that big snowstorm and blizzard storm, Lord. We, we pray that the temperatures would come down quickly, Lord God, and those people would get back to some type of normalcy, Lord God, and, and, and be safe, Lord. We do pray also, Lord God, for this message. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what I'm about to teach. Help us to understand the things that you are saying, Lord, and then help us to do those things which you're saying. Lord, it's not just enough, Lord God, to understand the things that you want from us. Or as a, as a child and a, and a father, as a child and a mother, it's not enough for the child to understand what the mother or father is telling them. Lord, it's, it's, it's what's necessary, Lord, for obedience, what's necessary, Lord, for respect, for honoring that mother and that father, Lord, is to actually understand and then do, Lord, the things that their mother and fathers, uh, as, as a child, is supposed to do what their moms and dads say. Lord, we know you are our Father, and we know you are our gracious Heavenly Father, and Lord, we know that it's not enough to know the things which you say, Lord. We know it's, it's what's required for us to know them and then do them. Lord, we, we thank you and we love you and we praise you, Lord, for we know that wisdom or knowledge without action is foolishness, Lord God. So, Lord, we ask these things. We pray that you'd help us with these things. Help us to be understanders and doers, Lord, of your word. And we ask all these things and we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to be back to normal today. We're going to get back and we're going to, we're in Acts chapter 14 as we were uh, some weeks back at Acts chapter 14. We're going to be in verses 8 through 20 today. The title of our sermon is, He Had Faith to Be Healed. Again, <coughs> He Had Faith to Be Healed. I'll give you a moment to get in your Bibles, Acts chapter 14. I ho- hope you guys all had a great Christmas and a great New Year's, all you guys coming in online. And praise God, I'm happy it's a new year and brand new year, 2018. And we're just keeping on pushing on what the Lord's called us to do is teach the truth and without bias and, and without any kind of my uh, 
slant on things for my own uh, personal gain, because uh, the only gain that I desire is that you grow spiritually in the Lord. And so anyway, are we there? I hope we're there. Let's get to our study. We're going to do things a little different today. I'm not going to read the whole section as we go. I'm going to read it as we go. So you'll want to probably pay attention in your Bibles, seeing if we can uh, see, just following the Lord here. Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. So verse 8 says we start out, and in Lystra. Now remember, this was one of the cities of the region of Lyconia. Uh, remember our last section of scripture just told us that they were that Paul and Barnabas were heading to Lystra and Derbe because uh, of those that rejected them in Iconium. Remember that they were about to stone them. So uh, look, look there in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel. That's what they went there to do. Look at what happens in the rest of verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Now we don't know how old this fella actually was, but we do know that Luke was a Jewish doctor, right? He was a Jew and he was also a physician. And so him being Jewish and Jewish culture, what do they teach about men? Well, a man in a Jewish culture, according to what they call bar mitzvah, is that a man, a child, becomes a man at the age of 13. Now now think about that. I personally believe the man could have been in his 30s or even 40s as you that's who I would have, that's that's kind of what I always picture but just think the cripple man was at least 13 here and so he had gone a minimum of 13 years think of it having never taken a single step ever wow isn't that crazy? This man, you could have put him in the desperate category, right? 13 years, never taking one step. That's a long time. Look at verse 9. This man heard Paul speaking. Now, he obviously heard Paul speak of Jesus Christ, and he became incredibly interested. So incredibly interested, keep reading verse, verse 9 there, uh, Paul observing him intently. Now, the Greek word there is atenazo, meaning that Paul fixed his eyes on him, or he fixed his gaze on him. And, and that think of it like if you're going to look at somebody, if you're going to, right now you may be, uh, or, or this week you maybe have your own personal church that you go to, one that you go to for fellowship. And, and think when you're sitting there and you're watching the pastor speak, you're fixing your eyes on the pastor because what he's saying is interesting to you of the things of God. Uh, you fix your eyes on a very interesting news story on the television. You, you fix your eyes when you're trying to study that math problem when you're in school. You fix your eyes to study. And so, so Paul's preaching about Jesus Christ had this man interested, incredibly interested, and his incredible interest... Uh, gets Paul's interest, right? Not only just his interest, the Bible says that Paul observing him intently, again, fixing his eyes on. That's how interested Paul was and how interested he was in talking about Jesus Christ. That This is great. I love how the Bible gets so specific here on how the man looked at Paul. So the crippled man interest gets Paul's interest and, and causes Paul to fix his eyes on him intently, but what was Paul looking for? Well, look at the rest of verse 9. And seeing that he had faith to be healed. 
See, that's where we get our title of our sermon. Paul was looking, I'll say, into his heart, soul, to, to see if the crippled man had faith in the Jesus Christ he, Paul, preached about. Uh, the faith enough for a healing. You see, although Jesus came to save people's souls, while he was preaching the gospel, he also ministered to those he was preaching to by doing many, 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 many wonderful, amazing miracles and wonders and miraculous healings. And Paul knew of all of those amazing things that Jesus Christ did. And it sounds to me here that while he, Paul, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was throwing in the facts about Jesus Christ that he did all those amazing miracles and miraculous healings and wonders during his ministry. And why would he do that? Well, of course, in order to help those that are listening uh, that he was preaching to in this city to help them believe in, in Jesus Christ as Jesus as being the Christ by giving them some justifiable proof that Jesus that he was preaching was indeed the real Jewish Messiah or the Jewish Christ, you see. Bible says in provable, justifiable prophecy that God's real deal Messiah, his real Christ, would come and do miracles, signs, and healings. And these were done so that Jesus was, well, of course, God loves people. And of course, God does these things even still today because he loves people. He'll give a miracle. But of course, one of the main reasons why Jesus Christ did them was to show the people that he was indeed the real Jewish Messiah and the real Jewish Christ. Because without the miracles and just a teaching about himself, that wouldn't have fulfilled biblical prophecy. And of course, Jesus professed to be the Christ or Messiah that came from God to be the Savior of the world. And, and, and he also pointed out the fact that he was the Savior of the world, but that he also did those amazing miracles to prove to people that he was indeed the Jewish Messiah. John 10, 37, 38. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But 38, but if I do, though you do not believe me, hey, I came, I come, I'm claiming to be the Jewish Messiah. But if you don't believe in me, believe the works. What were the works? His miracles, his wonders, his signs, raising people from the dead, right? The lame walking, right? The eyes of the blind seeing. Believe the works, he says, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Just as God told in, in several places, but just a couple for today, just as God foretold prophetically in many places that the Messiah would do. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, right? Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. Well, of course, that's the Messiah, right? He became the, uh, the, the guarantee of a better covenant, the covenant in his blood, right? As a light to the Gentiles, verse 7, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from prison, those who sit in darkness, from the prison house. So you see, as I, as I already said, Jesus, of course, being the great Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, the only Messiah, the Savior of the world, but of course, he not only was the great Messiah to save people's souls, but he was also he also came to heal people's bodies as well, too. And, and here, the Bible just told us in our section of Scripture that Paul is intently studying this crippled man to see if he had 
faith in the Jesus he preached to them, faith enough to be healed, faith enough to be healed. You know when you can just look into someone's eyes and you can just see what they're hoping for? Well, again, this man was in the desperate category, had, having gone 13, a minimum of 13 years without walking. This man had, remember, never taken one step his entire life. And, and, and here he is at this time, and listening to Paul preach of the Jesus Christ, the healer of men's souls, uh, which drag us to hell. But, but not only was or is he the healer of our souls, because he's still healing our souls, but, but Jesus the Christ is also the one that had the ability and has the ability to heal people's physical bodies. And I've seen him do it many times in my ministry as well, too. And this man was hopeful in this Jesus, the Messiah, or this Jesus the Christ. And this man was not only in need of having his soul cleansed from his sin, of course, as, as all mankind are in need of having our souls cleansed, but he was desperately desired to be healed physically as well. Uh, wouldn't you? I'm sure he was desperate. 13 minimum years, 14 years, I'm thinking 30 or 40 years personally, but I would be desperate, I would think too. And then you hear this guy comes preaching and this Jesus the Christ and he has the ability to heal and look what he did throughout his ministry. I'd be listening up intently too. My faith would be on high. I don't know about yours. I'd be like, somebody can heal me and I can walk. That was this man. And this Jesus the Christ can do it? Wow. Anyway, Back to our text, verse 10. Did Paul see that he did indeed have faith toward the Jesus that he preached, enough faith that he could receive the healing? Look at verse 10. Paul said then with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And the result, and he leaped and walked. So the answer is a resounding yes. He had faith to be healed. God healed him. And a resounding praise God and praise Jesus Christ. For it wasn't the apostle Paul that did the miracle. It was God incarnate, Jesus the Christ, who working through the apostle Paul healed this crippled man. Remember the name that God Almighty gave himself, one of the names that God gave himself in Exodus 15, 26. One of his God's names is Jehovah Rapha. And, and as God says, what does it mean of himself? Says, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. And, and also remember that Jesus the Christ is, is one with God Almighty the Father, which makes him the Lord that heals us also, just as the prophecies foretold, as I've already spoken about. For listen, guys, there is hope in Jesus Christ. There's no hope in this life, no good hope. Uh, the only hope is, is if you're saved and if you're walking with Christ, then you know that you're, you're going to be going to heaven and that your hope is in the next life, not in this life. All that we have to look forward to in this life is death and pain and betrayal and hurt and suffering and long days of work. But, but we know that, that we have hope in Jesus Christ, not in this life. We have hope in this life of attaining peace with God uh, by the healing of our souls, uh, hope to help uh, that he helps us overcome and make it through each and every evil day. And we even have hope of him healing our bodies. 
of praise God is is even just this just this week past. My wife has been struggling with a with an illness with a sickness, and uh, I watched her through go through it, and I had prayed a couple times, but then I I got to her and I I prayed over her when I laid with her, and then the very next day or the that very day she started feeling better. So I'm, there is hope in God and Jesus Christ. Again, there's no hope outside of God. That's 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 I would say first part sermon first part sermon did those that witnessed this amazing miracle appreciate and glorify the one that really did the miracle because we know that Paul didn't do the miracle I know that I don't lay hands on people and it's not me that heal people but did they those that were around Paul realize this look at verses 11 through 13 now when the people saw that Paul had what Paul had done they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men and Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker then the priests of Zeus whose temple was in front of their city brought oxen and garlands to the gates intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Unfortunately, they did not give praise to God Almighty nor his son Jesus Christ. Sadly, we just read that they gave the credit for the miracle to their pagan false Greek gods and not the one and only true God of all creation and they worshiped the created human beings of Paul and Barnabas and not Jehovah or Yahweh or uh, Yahshua and Jesus Christ. How sad is this? They, they fit Paul's description of what he writes about in Romans 1, especially verses 22 through 25. I mean, as I have written a lot of things for Jesus Christ and a lot of things for God in my sermons, and I've, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to finish a book right now on a topic of Christianity, I know that Romans 1 was probably inspired by Paul because of all of his different travels and all of his different things that he did uh, for the Lord during his ministry. As in Romans, and you know, he was writing to the church that was already established there. It would have been a little later on in his ministry. And he writes this, Romans 1, 22 through 25, of probably even when he's writing this, he's probably thinking of these people that, that, were, that were crying out to their false gods in the Lyconian language. And he says this, verse 22, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Isn't that exactly what they just did with Paul and Barnabas here? Paul did this miracle for God in the name of Jesus Christ. Of course, he was preaching Jesus Christ. He wasn't preaching Zeus or Hermes or, or anything. like He wasn't preaching a false. He was preaching the one and only true God. And these people came along. They saw the miracle. And what do they do? They worship the man, the corruptible man, instead of the incorruptible God. Verse 24, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than the, uh, excuse me, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Did the apostles just stand by and let them worship them as if they themselves were really gods and if they really had the power to do these miracles? Heavens, no. Look at verses 14 through 16. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. What nature would that be? 
The sinful nature, of course. We have a sinful nature. God has a divine nature. We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are within them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Both Paul and Barnabas knew better than to allow, just freely allow these people to do this. And I, and I know Christians, it's off the beaten path, but just a word that God lays on my heart, and he lays it on my heart for me, and he lays it on my heart for you out there that are listening. If you've served, been serving the Lord for a number of years, and, and you've seen God do you know miraculous signs and wonders and miracles through your hands, be careful. I know it's not quite the same thing, but be careful when you do one of those things for God, and when you pray for somebody and they get healed, or when you do a, a God does a miraculous sign through your hand, be careful that you don't take the praise from the people. And that's happened to me many times in my uh, in my life with the Lord, where I, I've done something for God's done something through me, I should say, and then before I know it, the people, oh, oh, wow, Ed, oh, wow, that that was great that you did that. No, 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 no. Hey, listen. Don't, don't give me the credit. God did that through me. I'm just, I'm just working for him, okay? Because here, these people, they gave the credit to the, their false gods. And, and we, in a sense, if we take people's praise for doing something good for God, aren't we, in a sense, taking that praise away from God? And I would say yes. So Christians, be careful that you don't fall into the category of taking that praise when you do something good for God. It's it's all God working through you and just your obedience and your just loving God. It's not you yourself that should receive the praise. And Paul and Barnabas knew better, again, than to allow this kind of thing to happen to them. They, they had come to know and trust and love the one and only true God of all creation. And they came to understand uh, what, that what these pagans were doing was not pleasing or acceptable to God or Jesus Christ at all. Uh, but did these pagans know that they shouldn't do this? Did they know? Can we hold them accountable for what they did. I believe so. Look at the last verse, or look at the last thing Paul says to them, excuse me, verse 17. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, fulfilling or filling our hearts with food and gladness. Uh, this is Paul's Romans 1 again, verses... Uh, we're going to go back to Romans 1, and we're going to see that this lines up here, verse 17, Acts 14, 17. Basically, Paul says the same thing again to us in Romans 1 about the same type of subject. God has made himself known to people. There is nobody on the whole earth that has an excuse. Romans 1 again, but look at 18 through 21, or listen along. Paul says this, like I said, identically here, almost to 17, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For, verse 20, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, listen, being understood by the things that are made. Well, who's made? What's made? Well, God's not made. Jesus Christ isn't made. The animals are made. People and human beings are made. Uh, you know, rocks are made. Can they see? I don't know. Maybe in the, some godly sense, they do have a voice and they do have eyes. I, I don't know. But all I know here is that speaking of 
suppressing the truth and what made me known of God is manifest in them. And for God has shown it to them, we know that this is primarily people that Paul's talking about here in Romans 1. Uh, and again, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even, listen to what we know about God innately now, now, not with, our, not with our mental minds. With our mental minds, we suppress the truth. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But look at what we know. Even his eternal power and Godhead. What's Godhead? What's a Godhead? What do we know the Bible says is a Godhead? We know the Godhead is God the Father, God the Son, and God Jesus Christ. Or God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that's the Godhead. So we know from the very beginning, innately, this is an innate knowledge that everybody's born with. We know God the Father, God the Son, and God, God the Holy Spirit. We know them. And so that, Paul says, verse 20 there, they are without excuse. This is Romans chapter 1. Go read it. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Nobody has an excuse, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody has an excuse about who God is. We all innately know God. God has made the knowledge of himself, and even his only begotten Son, and even his Holy Spirit, and all his total trinity, very clear through both all creation, and in us, what would be in us? What's in us? In our conscience. The, in, our, in our innate man or woman or child, we know who the God of all creation really is. Every person on earth has an innate knowledge of the one and only true God, and the Bible says so. Uh, this is undisputable truth. Again, according to God's word. But you say, Pastor Ed, because I know you're going to have a problem with this. Most people do. People earnestly don't believe in your and our God, Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian sitting out there listening, and I, speaking from my mouth here, I will agree with you. There are billions and billions of people who don't believe in God Almighty and Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But that, again, is their unbelief according to their intellectual minds. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that they have an innate knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. And everyone is born with this innate knowledge. But as they and we grow up and God Almighty and Jesus Christ reach out to us by, by, their, by everything that lets us know. I remember myself growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I grew up in kind of nothing. But, but I remember just kind of never even doubting the fact that there was a God. I never doubted it at all that there was a God when I was little. Well, I remember being little. and I, There's just a God, a creator. I just, it was like an innate knowledge. Uh, but you see, me, unfortunately, as many do, if we, which I did, reject this knowledge of God that he gives us in all creation, because I did, uh, then once he tries to reach out to us with this, with a greater knowledge of him trying to lead us to salvation, basically if you reject the basic innate knowledge and you refuse it, as Paul just said there, uh, you become futile in your thoughts and, and, and become your hearts become foolishly darkened, as I know mine did. And that means that although we, which I still did, have an innate knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, our hearts get darkened, and that's when with our common sense, which is which is of our own design, what we do is then what Paul said in Romans 1, we suppress that truth. 
with our with our human knowledge that we think we're so smart. What, what did he say? Man, people professing to be wise became fools, right? We, we think we're so wise and so smart as people, but really all that, all our intelligence that we get in our brain, what it does is it suppresses the innate knowledge that's within us. And then unfortunately our hearts become darkened and then we kind of lose sight of God. That's why there are still atheists and innately they believe in a God. Innately, they do, just like I did. I was an atheist for many years. And innately, I still innate knew there was a God. But in my mind, kind of like a a, a beach ball that I was pushing under the water, I I, I suppressed the truth all the time. And I kept suppressing the truth. And I kept suppressing the truth. And I hid it, and I hid it, and I hid it, and I hid it, it, because what I knew of God, I didn't want to know. Because without there being a God, I could do whatever I wanted. And I could live any way that I wanted to live. And, and, And you see... That's when my heart became darkened even more and more and more and more and more. And, and thanks be to God, and I'll talk about it here in a little bit. He, but He gives second chances to sinners through the knowledge, through through the preachers of God that He that God elects and God chooses that they go out and they preach the gospel, which I have become one of them. And so, you see, <laughs> this is when when we reject and our hearts get darkened. This is when we start believing the false lies of the devil. This is when we start believing all the false gods and all the, all the craziness out there. But if we respond to it, as some do when they grow up, and, and I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand where somebody's growing up, they have that innate knowledge, and then they, they just have a belief in God, and then the God says, sees that innate knowledge that they sow to that, and, they, and then he lets them reap to that, and then they get saved. And, and there's even, a, a, there's even a, a story that you can look at online. Their, their names are Miriam and Mar- Marziah, and they're from Iran. And they're perfect examples of when, what, what's, what happens when somebody that's a youth who grows up and they don't suppress the, the innate knowledge that God puts in their heart of him. And then they, you know, what they do is they just have a relationship with God. Uh, the, these ladies grew up in Iran. Their families were Muslim, but of course we know the Bible says that there's only one God, and that's Jehovah and his son Jesus Christ, and there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And, but these ladies didn't know that. All they knew was Islam. And so what do we see here? We see my perfect example. These ladies, as they grow up, even though they knew Islam, and that's what they were taught by their families, what they did was is they did their religious thing, because that's kind of what their families just made them do, but then on their own, and these were two individual ladies that were completely separated. They never knew one another until at one point in their lives, as they, I guess, were becoming Christians or after they had become Christians. What they did was is they, they kind of just had a relationship with God. Not through Islam, but they just kind of like, you know, God, they would just talk to God and have a relationship with God and just, just talk to, to, to the Creator, not, not even giving Him a name. And they both have the same testimony. But they both had this innate knowledge of God that they, did, they didn't really necessarily buy into the Islamic way, but they did buy into, I know that there's a creator, and I know that creator made me, and I want a relationship with that creator, and so they just kind of had a relationship with the creator. Now, that doesn't mean that they were saved, because the Bible says that there's only salvation through Jesus Christ, but what happened was, is as God saw that they didn't suppress the truth and unrighteousness, what happened was, is as the time went on, and as they just kept having a relationship with God, God at one point gave them both dreams and visions of who? Of who? Of the Savior. 
of Jesus Christ, who then led them to the saving relationship with Jesus Christ, or with God through Jesus Christ, where they, again, never accepted their former religion, but just accepted the innate knowledge of God that was in their hearts that God put in everybody's heart and in the whole world. That's, everybody has that. So praise God, he, 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 he's so awesome. And, and, and these people here, uh, they, they just, they were doing their own thing. And they had, they had no excuse, but they were doing it. And so that's just what they were doing. Now, now changing gears, I hate to get off what I was talking about because it's like my favorite subject ever of the whole Bible. But uh, changing gears now to what I've just been talking about and getting back to how they responded uh, to how Paul and Barnabas just pleaded with them to stop worshiping them as gods. Did the apostles' stirring and powerful preaching stop them or deter them from preaching or from committing blasphemy is really what they were doing. They were committing blasphemy. Look at verse 18. We're almost done here. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Sadly and unfortunately, these guys were experts by now in suppressing the truth of God Almighty, just as Paul wrote in Romans 1, and they would not be reasoned with. And, I, and I've spoken about this before, and I'll speak about it a little bit again right now real quick, but the Bible talks about those who have a fair mind toward God Almighty and Jesus Christ, and those that have hardened their minds off, and like I had become at one point in my life, and the expert truth suppressors, and they would not listen to the truth no matter what sadly these guys had hardened their hearts to have their innate understanding of god almighty and they would not be reasoned with they were dead set on worshiping their false greek gods and them being real and they would not allow the truth of god almighty and jesus christ to penetrate their darkened hearts their hearts were so darkened the last verses of today their hearts were so darkened that they were such good truth suppressors and, and so so set on their ways that they were that at the first chance of them getting rid of those that reminded them of the of that innate truth that was in them look at what they did right so so paul and barnabas were a constant reminder of the real truth of the savior jesus christ and god almighty and they couldn't stand it Verses 19 and 20, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So again, they couldn't stand the reminder of the true God that they had that was before them. And so they had to, at the first chance, they saw, well, we don't have to listen to these guys anymore. We, we want to suppress that truth. We don't want to hear about God Almighty and Jesus Christ anymore. Hey, well, let's get with them. Oh, yeah, let's stone them. And so what do they do? They, they kill them or almost kill them. Some of here are disposed to believe that Paul actually died at this time because of a section in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and that when the disciples gathered together around him and prayed, uh, that God brought him back to life. And I'm not going to say that he didn't die, and I'm not going to say that he did die. And so I'm going to say that I, I don't really know. But what the Bible just told us simply, and again, maybe I'm being influenced by the popular opinion here, and, but you, you can read this section of Scripture. But what the Bible did say is that, that after they stoned him and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So I guess I'd have to probably say that he probably uh, was not dead here, even though 2 Corinthians 11 says that there were he died three times. Maybe this was one of them, maybe it wasn't. But I don't, whether or not, whatever your opinion is here, 
I can say one thing is for sure for Paul here. Whatever happened after he was stoned, whether he died or whether they just supposed him to be dead and he never really died or whatever, he got up alive. And, and one of the most impressive things to me about Paul is that he went on his way in his mission for God. And as in verse 20 says, the next day he departed from, with Barnabas to Derby, which was the next city in line that they were going to preach to, right? And they preached the gospel there. And uh, most importantly, even for us today, Christians, this is, this is super important for us today. Uh, when, when terrible things come at us, when terrible persecution comes, when betrayal comes, when, when, when whatever happens to us, these bad things that are going to happen to us, for Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, <clears throat> that one thing's important is that he, what Paul just did here. He faced the terrible trouble and the terrible rejection, and he didn't give up serving Jesus Christ. He just kept going. And so like, like for us today, if you've faced terrible things, I have. We just got to keep going for Jesus Christ because that's what Paul did. And we're supposed to follow those of the faith that are, that are brave and bold and awesome in the faith and, and, and praiseworthy in the faith. And Paul was praiseworthy in the faith. Paul, he, he took a licking and he kept on ticking. I, it's kind of cliche, but you know, <laughs> it's a good saying. He took a licking. And he kept on ticking. He just didn't stop. He never even missed a beat. Next day, he got up. They probably bandaged his wounds, you know, because if you've ever seen a stoning, I have. I wish I could say that I haven't. But it's really nasty, and you bleed all over the place, and it's rocks hitting your flesh, and so I'm sure he was pretty torn up. But no matter how much he was hurt, he got back up. The next day, he went on again, and praise God, he, he didn't miss a beat. He kept serving Jesus Christ. Now, a couple different ideas that I covered today. I, I have to talk a little bit more about a couple of them here, just a little bit. First, Paul preached Jesus Christ to those in Lystra. And to help these people in Lystra believe, he gave them the justifiable proofs of the truths of what Jesus Christ did in his ministry to prove he was God's real Messiah or Christ, uh, which were what? He preached to them Jesus Christ, the Savior, of course, the salvation for the world. But he also, obviously, according to the crippled man who was interested in what he was saying, he was also preaching about the signs and wonders and miracles and miraculous healings that Jesus Christ had done. And, and as a result, uh, a crippled man that was in earshot listened intently with excitement because, again, uh, Jesus, this Jesus Paul preached had the power and the ability to heal him, right? I mean, not just anybody comes along and says, hey, you got this Messiah, the Savior. He's not only going to save your soul, but he's gonna, he can heal your body too. And so this man looked so intently uh, to get his intent Paul's intent interest right his attention so much so it caused Paul to fix his eyes on him intently to see what again do you remember what I said to see if he had faith in Jesus Christ uh, faith enough indeed that would lead to his healing yes this is what scripture said Paul verse 9 again observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Now, this, this begs an interesting thought, an interesting uh, little section that I've kind of created here that God's laid on my heart that I, I was thinking about doing earlier in the sermon, but it was such a nice role, and the Lord was like, just put it at the end. Uh, this whole idea, having faith to be healed. Now, I don't know if you know, it's very prevalent in our world today, but there's a definite doctrine out there that really... 
it, it, it really encapsulates this one part of this one little verse here that people see, people say, well, he had faith to be healed. Oh, yo, what? well, that means, <clears throat> so really there's this idea in our Christian world today, uh, and they're called, there's this denomination, sex of Christianity, where they call them faith healings, or they're also known as the health and wealth group, or, or the name it, claim it movement. And, and, and I am not one to believe what people have said about all these things. See, these people who believe in this kind of idea on the scripture believe adamantly, they adamantly claim that, if we have faith, if we just have the faith in God that, that he can heal us or that he will, he, he will heal us, then we can basically, in a sense, the way I kind of put it, maybe they put, wouldn't put it the same way, maybe they would, we can strong arm God into healing us, right? Uh, for because of our faith, he must heal us for he's obligated. And they use sections of scripture like this and one out of Matthew and several others to prove their doctrine. Now, now again, I am not one of these that believes the way I just explained. If we have faith, God must heal us because of his obligation. I believe personally that this makes God a genie or a slave to us. And God Almighty, ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me. God is not our slave. God is not our genie, and that is for sure. Listen, he is the king of all creation, the master and maker of all the universe, as Paul said today in our scripture. He is the maker of heaven and earth, of all that's on earth, of everything in the sea, of everything in the heavens, everything. And he's not our genie, and he's not our slave. Uh, but I will say this, though, on the faith idea of the topic of faith and God Almighty and all that, there was a time when the disciples couldn't cast out an unclean spirit out of a boy, Matthew chapter 17. And, and then Jesus Christ, he kind of came down the mountain with his disciples and he asked the man what happened. He asked the disciples what happened and, and, and they all kind of had a powwow. And, and basically the disciples couldn't do it uh, because Jesus said this, that the disciples weren't able to heal the boy and Jesus had to do it. And Jesus said this, Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, well, there is a lack of faith, a complete lack of faith that God would do anything here. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Again, another key idea of the health and wealth, the faith movement is there, and nothing will be impossible for you because of faith. Now, does this mean that if we expect a healing from Jesus Christ, we must have faith in him that he will grant it to us. And if we don't, well, then he just won't. Well, I won't say that exactly because in Jesus Christ's ministry and in my life personally, and I'm ashamed of this, outside of that one example there with the one boy that the disciples couldn't heal because of their unbelief, Jesus Christ was and has been able to heal the faithless. In his ministry, and even in my life, and even for me, and in, I've prayed for people in faithlessness and, 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 and with total unbelief, and yet God has done many miracles, even though I myself, with my personal, you know, flawed, sinful mind, have had little faith or no faith at all, and then I've seen Jesus Christ, if you go to the, if you go to the, the, the Gospels, Jesus Christ, he asked people, do you have faith to be healed? And they were like, well, I've been this way for all this time. There's a man in John. 
He never said he had faith. The man was stuck on stupid. He was stuck on, I'm stuck here in this terrible position. And Lord, there's no one to put me down into the water when the angel comes to stir up the water. And Jesus said, well, you know what? Be healed. Get up, be healed. man had no faith. Yeah, Jesus Christ healed the man, had no faith. I've had no faith. Prayed for people. God Almighty has done great miracles. He's, he's raised people up. Uh, does this make having no faith that God can do anything in God's eyes uh, good? No. That's not good either. It's called balance. What part must faith have in our lives and our walks with Jesus Christ and God Almighty then in, in healing and in all categories? Well, well and, and what part must faith play in someone's life even if they don't walk with or love or serve God Almighty and Jesus Christ? Well, here's, here's what part faith must have. Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as a mustard seed, Jesus Christ told his kids that nothing would be impossible for them. And then that faith... It was us coming to God with that faith, just God, I, I, I know you're there. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must have the faith, a, a faith, to come to God and just give it, whether we know or believe he'll do it or not. We must come, and we must Matthew seven seven and eight. Ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who speaks, or seeks finds, and he who knocks, it will be opened for again. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, God may want, be wanting to show himself to you, or you may be seeking God on a certain issue, and you may be asking without faith, and God sees your faith, and then he says, you know what, I'm going to help my, my son out anyway because I know he's hurting right now, and even though he has no faith. But is that an excuse to come to God without faith? Is that an excuse not to come to God or not to come in faith and saying, God, you know, I know you can do this. I don't know if it's your will, but I know you can. It's no excuse. We're not going to strong arm God by our faith, and that's not going to stop him because he's going to do what he wants. Uh, for God is sovereign, and God can do whatever he wants. But that's no excuse. Faith is pleasing to God. And it's impossible to please Him without faith. And God Almighty is not bound by our faith. But if we will just humble ourselves and trust Him and come to Him by faith, this kind of faith gets His attention when we humble ourselves and we come before God in faith and trust Him. Just like we saw with the crippled man in our scripture today. His faith in the Jesus Christ that Paul preached and in Jesus Christ's ability to be able to heal him got Paul's attention, and then this faith is what led to his healing. I don't know, maybe you're in need of a healing today. Maybe you're in need of a mighty miracle from God Almighty for some major issue you've got going on in your life right now, uh, and, and you belong to him. That, that's key. Because the way we approach God, it's kind of the same, but it's a little different. But if that's you and you're needing something from God, you're needing God to show up in your life in a mighty way today, you're struggling with this, that, or whatever, well then, Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock on the door of God Almighty's and Jesus Christ's hearts. Knock on their doors of their hearts for your need or the help that you're in need of and have faith in him that he'll be able to fix or take care of the issue that you're in need of him fixing and and don't stop asking jesus christ several times in his ministry commended those that didn't give up i remember one time 
there was a, a lady that came to him, and Jesus Christ called her a dog, for she was a Gentile. And her daughter had, had an issue, and her daughter was like demon-possessed. And she came to Jesus. He wouldn't give her the time of day. But because what? She, she knew he could help him. She, she knew he could help her. Excuse me. She kept begging. She kept on, and she kept on, and she kept on, and she kept on. And through her continual asking, Jesus Christ granted her her request. Because she, she knew he could help and she wouldn't give up. So you, in like manner, biblically speaking, if you're in need of God to do something in your life or to help you or help you with belief or you're struggling at work or you're sick or, or you got this personal problem or whatever, then you ask, seek, and knock and believe that he can help you. That's important to have faith that he can't help you. And then, it, oh, but it didn't happen the first time. Oh, that's right. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. And believe the whole time. It may not be answered the way you want it to be answered. If you have a problem or an issue and you need God's help and you pray for a certain way to be helped, most powerful prayer ever is God help me Please, God, help me. That is the most powerful prayer ever. We may not even know what we need help with, but he, but he knows. And so, God, help me with this. Please, God, help me in desperation. And you keep praying that. God will show up. He will. He's a man of his word. And he said, ask, seek, and knock, and keep asking, and keep seeking, and keep knocking. Now, Tying this concept in, for, for that, that was for those that believe and that are in need of God's help and they're, they're God's child. Tying this concept in to pretty much what the second half of the message was all about. Everyone having an innate knowledge of God Almighty Jesus Christ, but God revealing that knowledge to us in all creation and in our consciousness as we grow up and whether we accept it or reject it. We all get a chance to respond to the true knowledge of God Almighty and Jesus Christ uh, that God puts in all creation and in our consciousness. But what are you doing with it? What are you standing with all that God's given you of all that he is in all of your conscience and all of the exterior proofs that you have around you? Are you accepting it in faith and allowing God Almighty the ability to help you come to the saving faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you like so many, like unfortunately I did, or are you rejecting it because as I did, are you? Uh, you have to live your own life the way you want to live your own life in the sin that you love so much. Or are you rejecting because of the fact that you love being the master of your own lives that you're born with? Because that's how we're born. We're born as the master of of our own lives. God is the creator of the universe, but he allows, he, 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 he makes us with our own autonomous free will to be able to accept him or reject him. And so are you rejecting him because you love being the master of your own life that you're born with? Or, or are you rejecting it for whatever reason? Or are you rejecting it because now that you've rejected it so long, your hearts have gotten darkened? What have you done with the innate knowledge of God Almighty that He's given you of Himself and of Jesus Christ? Have you wasted it or have you accepted it and are you waiting and asking God Almighty for the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or have you already received it as I have and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Well, how do we respond by faith? Let's say you're not there. 
And, and, you know, you're starting to respond to it. And you're like, well, I do see, but I don't know. I can't believe it's so hard, but the world says this. Oh, I just don't know. I don't know. Jesus Christ, are you real? I just don't know. How do you respond by faith to that innate knowledge of God Almighty and Jesus Christ that God gives to you all that he grants us uh, so that you may gr- he may grant you eternal life? Well, how do you do it? Well, just in a different way, though. Same thing. Same concept. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. Instead of, God, I need help with this job that I got, or I need help with this co-worker because you're not really his. How about, God, I really need help understanding and believing that you're there, and you're real, and that you love me. God, I, I, don't, I don't believe, but help my unbelief. How about, by faith, Stop rejecting it, and how about seeking God? Showing Him that He's important to you. Just like Marziah and Mary Ann did that I want to, the two ladies I told you about from Iran. How about just start talking to Him? Asking Him if He's real. God, can you help me? I want to believe, but I, the world says this, and I, I was raised in this faith, but I don't know. Is this Jesus Christ of the Bible? Are you really real? I just don't know. God, would you reveal yourself to me? Start actually reading the Bible. Stop just listening to what people tell you here and there and everywhere because everybody has an opinion. Uh, People, a room, 100 people in a room, everybody's got 100 different opinions. How about you go to the Bible and you read the Bible for yourself and you ask God to start talking to God and asking if he's real and if he can reveal himself to you and show him again that you're not wasting the innate faith that he gave you that you were born with. So to that and start showing God he's important and start seeking God. God desires you to be saved and not only to just know he's there, he wants you to have everlasting life with him and his son, Jesus Christ, forever. And he wants you to have an intimate, personal relationship, the same as with your mom or your dad when you were little or your husband or your wife or your children now, you know, as you, maybe you have a wife and kids. He wants you to have an, in, an personal, uh, intimate relationship with him. The innate is just to get you started. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to respond to his drawing to you. And he wants you to seek his face. For as Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, this is kind of an update from last week. Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Well, just because you call Jesus Lord doesn't mean you know him personally. And, and, and just an exciting, exciting, exciting time. I told you last week about a guy that pretty much he inspired the whole sermon last week. And I had this conversation with him on this really long haul that we took in this, in this rental, rental truck to go and do some work. Uh, well, the Lord had touched his heart with not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, he sh- uh, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And for the first time he saw that just because I may call Jesus Lord doesn't necessarily mean that I'm saved because has I, have I come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or do I just know of Jesus Christ? As many of you that are listening right now, maybe you just know of Jesus Christ. Well, it's a journey. And this asking and seeking and knocking for you who aren't sure or you that I haven't come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's a process. 
And it's a journey. And just like for this fellow, this week he, he texted me and I was so, or just last week, excuse me, he texted me and he, he told me he had, I had challenged his faith and he had started a journey. Well, this same journey that he's on, he's starting to ask and seek and knock and he started to read the Bible for himself. Praise God. This is what God wants from you. This is what God wants from you who don't know. You who are not his personal, have a personal relationship with him right now. He wants you to ask, seek, and knock, and keep asking, and keep seeking, and keep knocking about who he is, and how to come to have a relationship with him, and, and, and him for him to reveal himself to you, and for you to come to have a saving relationship with him. Many will call Jesus Christ Lord, Lord, but that doesn't mean they'll enter the God's kingdom. He wants you to seek, oh man. Seek, 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 and don't stop seeking whoever you may be. And if you do seek, and what did Jesus say? The promise. If you keep seeking, it's an ongoing thing. You will find. (laughs) Wow. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this message. Lord God, thank you so much, Lord God, for the things we learned in this message. Lord God, thank you so much, Lord God, for your word and your truths, Lord God, that are all throughout your word and all throughout our consciences and all throughout the whole creation, Lord God, that you reveal yourself to us. <laughs> wow, Lord God, you're amazing. And God, you, you, you really, your word says, 2 Peter 3, 9, you desire none to perish, Lord God. You, you give all of that testimony about yourself in all the creation, Lord God, and no matter where you go as a person, whether it be California or New York or Miami and in the Florida or whether you go around to Russia or you go all the way around to China or you go wherever you go in the whole world, Hawaii, Lord, wherever you go, we can see all of that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful testimony of who you are in all creation. And Lord, not only do we have all creation, Lord God, but we have all our consciences. You, you show us who you are and you, you show us that you're real in our conscience. And Lord God, so we have no excuse. God, I just pray, Father God, for those out there right now that have been suppressing the truth, Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, that they would stop letting that volleyball, stop sitting on that volleyball, stop suppressing that truth, stop stop letting their hearts get darkened. And Lord God, I pray that they would open themselves up to just what they see and the way you speak with us in our conscience, Lord God, please. And I, and I pray as they do that, Lord God, you would see this and you'd see them start to come and that you would come to them just like the prodigal son, Lord God, and that you would bring them to you. Lord God, or bring them back to you, Lord God, if they've fallen away like the prodigal son did. Lord, please, Lord God, bring people to salvation, Lord God. Please help them to stop suppressing the truth and come to know Jesus Christ in an intimate way, and you in an intimate way, in a personal way, in a saving way. We love you, God, and we praise you, God. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.